Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Well, we are blessed again to have Dave and Melissa with us. They pastor a great church in Manhattan, Kansas. And uh, even though it's the home of Kansas State, we still love them. And uh, <laughs> and uh, they have left their church today to come and be with us. And we just appreciate you guys' investment. And more than that, we appreciate their friendship. We've known them for uh, almost eight years now. And uh, it's been a great friendship. You know, there's some people you meet along the way that you just connect with. And it's easy to be in relationship with. And Dave and Melissa are certainly those people. Oh, yeah. Can I get an amen this morning? you turn me up just a little bit, please? So great to be at the River Assembly of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are not leaving here unless we're transformed. You see, many years ago, I uh, was in a church, and they were delivering a lot of information, but there was no transformation. Because information itself doesn't do anything. It may puff up your knowledge, but transformation, when you leave here, it becomes contagious. And so today... We're going to see transformation. And the number one person we're going to see transformation in is me. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I have it all together. Can I get an amen? We'd like to greet you this morning from True Church in Manhattan, Kansas. Yes, home of the Kansas State Wildcats. And uh, if you like purple, you would like Kansas State. Because there's about 50,000 on every game. And that town it just turns into a frenzy. But my beautiful bride and I are here this morning to greet you from our church as well as from our family. We will celebrate 29 years of marriage this year. Yeah. So I've got a 28-year-old son, a daughter who's 25, gets married in two weeks. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody found her and said, let's take her. But, but the greatest gift of all, and I know some of you are going to holler here in a second, is I've got three amazing granddaughters. Yeah, yeah. And you probably heard before that, man, if we could have had those first, we would have been better. Any grandparents, right? Yeah, it's amazing. And the moment they called me Poppy, because that's what they call me is Poppy, I'm like, here's my credit card. Go get what you want. And they're all, they're all girls, so I am ruined. I know that, but I like to shop, so we're going to have a good time. This morning's message I'm bringing to you is called Not Guilty. Not Guilty. And I pray again this morning at the Holy Spirit. Man, let's give a hand to our worship team this morning. They did a great job. I should probably tell you that I've led worship for 35 years. Ten of those years I was in Nashville as a lead singer of a Christian band and traveled all over the world and did that whole thing. But God, in 2008, in the middle of a, uh, doing another album for our second album, we're getting ready to go out on tour, the, the big bands, the Casting Crowns and all those, and God told me, it's time for you to leave this and go pastor the local church where the real God is moving. And so I know they were like, well, Christian music, well, I won't go into that. But I left the studio, and God landed us in Duncan, Oklahoma, the very first one. Anybody know where Duncan is? I said, Jesus, really? Where did you bring me to? And for about three years, I served at an Assembly God church there just doing worship. And then God moved us up to Manhattan. I've been there six years. We launched our church three and a half, well, a little bit over three years ago. God is blessing it. We're running already around 200 people and growing 
and lives are being changed. Amen? So a pastor in the Philippines, a much-loved man of God, carried the burden of a secret sin he had committed many years before. He had repented, but still he had no peace, no sense of God's forgiveness. In his parish, there was a woman who deeply loved God and who said she had visions in which she spoke with God and he with her. The pastor, however, was somewhat skeptical. To see if it was true, he said to her, the next time you speak with God, I want you to ask him what sin your pastor committed when he was in seminary. The woman agreed. A few days later, the pastor saw her and asked, well, did God visit you in your dreams? Yes, he did, she replied. And did you ask him what sin I committed in seminary? Yes, I did. Well, what did he say? He said, I don't remember. I don't remember. Not guilty. Turn your neighbor and say, you are not guilty. Unless you did something this morning. Then that's another sermon. As a pastor, I have the honor each and every week. Each and every. See, my wife will roll her eyes several times during this sermon, I promise you. Each and every week I have the honor to pour into lives, to pour into families, to see families that are where the enemy's trying to come in and destroy and that God can bring life to every week. And I hear these things. I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I'm not worthy of forgiveness. As a matter of fact, have you ever had in your life when you are walking or you're coming by a church and driving by a church and maybe there's something in your life that's not going right and maybe you've been away from God for a while and you say, I can't go in there, the walls would fall in on me. Or maybe you left church at a time because the people in the church were the ones who were persecuting you when they should have been lifting you up. It's going to get a little quiet now. My prayer today is that before you leave here, you will have a greater understanding that in and through the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, the moment you put your faith and trust in him, the moment you surrender, you are found not guilty. You don't no longer have to carry the burden of the shame. So why then do we see so many Christ followers with burdens and carrying. I I will see many of them who will walk around with their shoulders down, carrying a heavy load. And I've been asking for years, God, why aren't Christians free? What has happened within the body of Christ? Have we become so religious that there is no spirit moving within us? Or maybe this morning you're here for the very first time and you don't know Christ. You may know his name, but you don't know him. And today, you're going to have the opportunity to unload guilt, shame. All the things that you've been carrying. Here's the reality. We all do dumb things. Anybody who has never done a dumb thing, raise your hand. If you raise your hand, I'm like, come on, let me go sit by you, sister. Yeah. I'm like, we got a saint in the house. We all do dumb things. We all make mistakes. But Romans 3.23 says, For everyone, say everyone, has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Isn't it amazing to you that when life is going good, you will look at someone else's life that isn't. And you're like, only if they would give it to Jesus. Now let me give you a clue about me a little bit. When I'm struggling... I don't want you to come up to me and tell me, give it to Jesus, because I'll tell you, I want to give you the Holy Spirit, okay? 
I, I don't want you to do that. I don't want a Sunday school answer. I want somebody to love me, walk beside me, help me discover that there's life in Jesus Christ and not condemnation. We don't have to carry it. We all fall short. But every single week, we walk into churches all across America carrying burdens in, carrying burdens out, come back on Wednesday carrying burdens in, carrying burdens out. That is not God's will. It is not his will. I want you to hear this morning, my friends. I want you to believe it. I want you to receive it. And I want you to know, I'm going to look right in your eyes, that you are worthy because of Jesus Christ our Lord. Someone this morning is feeling condemned. Maybe you've done something this week. Maybe it's been two weeks. Maybe you're holding it in. And I love one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. There's something so powerful in those words that I believe many of us hear. We hear it, but we really don't understand what it is saying. The most significant truth about this verse is that in spite of your sin, God comes down to you and says, I choose you. Have you ever just slowed down just a little bit and thought the creator of the universe looks down and said, I want that five foot seven Spanish good looking pastor. Yeah, you heard good looking. Come on, you're supposed to laugh at that. He looks down and he says, I choose you. Not because of your talents, not because of how elegant you speak, not because you can do something great or how much success is in your job. He chose you because of his great love for you. And he declares you not guilty. I don't know about you, but that's a hard truth to swallow. It's overwhelming to me that he loves me that much. Now, when you flip back to Romans 7, we see Paul struggling with this. We see the application of this truth lived out in Paul's life, one of the greatest apostles to live, who wrote most of the New Testament. And Paul is struggling. He unpacks this thing for us that he struggles, and he's struggling, and he's wondering why he's struggling, and he gives us a glimpse of his own struggle. I mean, here is, again, the greatest apostle to live. Here's a man who instructed churches, encouraged Timothy, Titus. And now we put him on a pedestal. But if you look in Romans 7, let's go there now to Romans 7, 14 through 25. You open your Bibles this morning. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. I don't know if you have the UVerse app. You can lift that up too. Romans 7, 14 through 25. Let's read it. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. This is Paul speaking. The trouble is with me, for I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Do you ever have that argument with yourself? I mean, and, and here's the, the reality. In a moment of time, there is a choice. Everybody has a choice. And there's a split second when you say, I don't really understand myself. That's in an identity process. It's an identity problem. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. How many are glad that you don't have to live by the law anymore? 
Okay, a few of you, praise God. I live by grace. I don't know about you because that would be a whole different problem for me. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Man, Paul's like, he is struggling here. And he's showing us the human side of us. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21, I've discovered this principle of life. I want you to circle these in here because these are important. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Have you ever loved God with all your heart and still made a mistake? Didn't understand why? But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Here's the answer. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Because of my sinful nature. But when Jesus Christ gets a hold of your life and you're transformed, he calls you not guilty and you're no longer a slave to sin. You are a righteous son and daughter of the living God. This is a revelation I got about 22 years ago. About 22 years ago, I had all kinds of things going wrong in my life. I lived for myself, very self-centered, and I was living the double life. I was calling myself a Christ follower, but Monday through Saturday, it wasn't happening. How many know that eventually you hit the end of the road? And I hit the end of the road. My marriage was falling apart. I didn't know how to parent kids. I was 19 years old when I had my son. I don't recommend that to anybody. I didn't know what to do with him. I didn't even have to shave back then, hallelujah. And I remember trying to figure out what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a godly father. I had no clue. It wasn't until I countered the truth that there's nothing I can do to gain righteousness from God. It was only through the love of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Paul is honest enough to recognize within himself that he, can't, he can easily get entangled in sin. But because of the sacrifice of Christ, he does not have to carry that heavy load of guilt or shame anymore. But instead, he can remain not guilty. How many of you came in here this morning carrying a load, a burden? If I could only get it right. If only someone knew what was going on in my life. But I can't say it because if I say it to somebody, I'm afraid I'll be rejected. I'm afraid I'll be talked about. Oh, does that happen in the church? Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll be in the bulletin next week. I've been around this a long time, folks. We come in, we carry these burdens. You're carrying them this morning, and you're wondering, if I unload them, if I really unload them, God, are you going to love me, or I'm going to have the propensity to pick it back up? How am I going to do this? Paul's telling us we all struggle with it. So this is what I did with our group yesterday in, our back, in the back here with our team. By the way, you've got a very talented worship team. And I don't say that lightly because I'm pretty 
crazy when it comes to worship teams because I get real critical about them because I did it for a lot of years. But we're in the back, and here's what I have them do, and I'm going to have you do this with me this morning. Everybody put your hand in front of your face like this. Just everybody. I want you to take that mask way down. Take it off. We're going to get so real this morning that victory is going to sweep through this place. Because we didn't come here to do church. We're coming here to knock things over. I tell you, Jesus. I'm not used to that fancy table next to me. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Did you get that on tape, anybody? Carl Messenger, the famed psychiatrist, once said this. If he can convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them could walk out the next day. 75%. If he just convince them, you're forgiven. But we self-condemn ourselves, and we live in the walls of prison, in our own walls in a prison. One thing you have to understand is that when your life is in Christ, he will never put guilt on you. That is from the enemy. Instead, the Holy Spirit brings conviction on us, not to condemn us, but to free us. I wonder today, if you're in your own prison of guilt and shame, and you sit here yearning to be set free. But the enemy's whispering in your ear that you're not worthy. You're not worthy. One of the worst times for me is late at night. Anybody get up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes? And your mind can't shut down. And the enemy begins to whisper, you're not worthy. You're never going to be set free. Your marriage is never going to make it. Your children are never coming back to God. He just begins to whisper these lies. I can tell you that most live behind the prison walls of guilt and shame because they fear they will be rejected by God and others. We don't fully understand that God's perfect love expels all that fear. 1 John 4, 17 through 18 says, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Not some, not a little bit. Everybody say all. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Now, I've been around Assembly of God for a long time. I led worship in him a long time. And I love the spirit that happens within an Assembly of God church. But many times, I'll be honest with you, it becomes emotional, but it's not transformational. And I've been leading worship at times, and I would see people screaming out to God and all these things. But then all of a sudden during the week, their life is still not going right. They haven't surrendered. All they did is have an emotional moment with the, with the Father, but they didn't get changed all the way. And we have to surrender. We have to cast out that fear. Some of you are walking in such fear, you've put yourself in a prison. I'm here to declare to you today. That because of his perfect love for you, he being the judge and jury has pardoned you. I said he's pardoned you. He has found you not guilty. You have an opportunity this morning to let it go. Why don't we let it go? 
because somehow, some way, it's almost like a comforting blanket we hold on to. We've been rejected. We've been hurt. Anybody here this morning been hurt by somebody very close to you? Man, it's tough. Be in ministry long enough, you'll, you'll discover it. But God comes to set us free. What's the difference between guilt and, and conviction? I really want you to hear this this morning. Guilt, the fact or state of having committed an offense, crime, violation, or wrong, especially against mor- moral or penal law. A feeling of remorse and responsibility for some offense. Guilt only leaves you with the revelation of an error, wrong, or sin, but gives you no hope for redemption, only despair and condemnation. But conviction is a fixed or firm belief. The act of convincing of an error or compelling the admission of a truth Computation, the act of proving an error that's defect or wrong. Conviction reveals an error, an offense, wrong or sin, but it opens up the light of God and the truth, and it provides a way out of shame and condemnation and offers forgiveness, redemption, salvation, and freedom in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 8, 12, 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you, we all know it, Isn't it amazing how we can quote scriptures, but we don't live them? Oh, and the truth will set us free. Woo! But I'm not free. Many times it's hard to tell the difference between guilt and conviction because in many ways, both start out the same way. Both guilt and conviction point out an error, a sin. But after this similarity, they take different paths. They take totally different paths. Guilt will cause your body to go into think, do things that it shouldn't be doing. You can get sick from guilt. You can have diseases come on from guilt. But when you come under the conviction and the safety of God, man, that conviction frees you physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And the healing that you're looking for is in Jesus Christ. And in that conviction, he draws you back to many people say, man, I, try to, I don't like to be convicted by God. It really bothers me. No, that is your place of safety. It's a warning flag saying, come to me. I'm trying to keep you away from danger. People want to point out you're wrong. Every single day, the enemy will use others to say it'll never happen conviction says again you're wrong you've sinned but offers a ray of hope how many are control freaks here this morning my wife calls it control enthusiasts she paints a really good picture on it Uh, we don't like to relinquish control we don't want to give it up We want to come to church. We want people to think it's fine. But the reality is, why do church then? Come here to be transformed. I believe with all my heart that the river of God is getting ready to see a river here when its people will surrender all. Churches all across America this morning are opening their doors. But do you know, statistically, that the church over the last 10 years has not grown at all in America? We see mega churches. We see these things. It doesn't mean anything. It's transfer growth. It's this. There's no new growth because people are not willing to surrender. 
When you finally let go and nail to the cross the guilt and shame, that is when the Spirit of God fills you to overflowing, and you will finally experience the full freedom Christ died to give you. He will remove the veil, the mask completely, once and for all. And though you were once blind, now you see. He removes the veil. And I love 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 17. It says, yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. And they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthians immediately that the Lord is in their hearts and their human spirits. Their hope of freedom comes from the great fact, for the one who is within them is God himself. Man, I don't know about you, when I think about the whole kingdom of God lives in me, why am I living a defeated life? All the power he's given us. Thank you, babe. I'll make sure I don't knock that over. Now I can really preach. Hallelujah. He's got, you got everything in you to stay free. Everything in you to walk in victory. Everything in you to be a light Monday through Saturday. Everything in you to share your story, which is his story of redemption through your life. When's the last time you really walked in freedom? Galatians 5.1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. I said, so Christ has truly set us free. So Christ has truly set us free. Now here's the caveat to this verse. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. In and through Christ, you are declared not guilty. Say it with me. Not guilty. Now say it like you mean it. Not guilty. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and at 1030 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore. Say, come to the